I don't want to share with you this evening the very pertinent and relevant topic for you all, but to think of an album character for the young and the royal. The topic is the shoe, not the problem. I'd like to speak to you for a few moments about some of the specific halachas of the shuva, and then perhaps we can move to a more general uh, understanding of what, what we have to do in order to uh, consider ourselves as having been involved as much as we can in the process of the shuva. We know that the you know, Kippur day being so old, of course, there was one opinion in the Tanoi, the opinion of Rebbe, so powerful that it can actually achieve Kapara without Shuvah. Even if one does not repent, still there is a measure of Kapara. According to almost all of our deeds, this view is rejected, not accepted by Allah, and therefore the only way a person can achieve any Allah whatsoever on Yom Kippur is by doing the shuva. So you may ask, when who needs a kipper? If the shuva works without a kipper, and the kipper does not work without shuva, then what is gained by a kipper? So the Gemara is actually using quite explicit about this. It tells us that shuva can achieve immediate atonement for a mitzvah, I'd say, something which a person didn't do which was right, but for a low I'd say, for negative commandment, it's not enough to and do the shuva, you have to wait until Yom Kippur comes to complete the atonement process. There's an additional kapara which exists on Yom Kippur, which unfortunately we no longer have nowadays. That is the kapara of Soyeran Shaleh, the scapegoat, the real scapegoat. The Soyeran was sent over a cliff. And as it was dismembered, it achieved kapara for all the people. Once again, a cursory reading of the Gemara Masechta Shavuot yields the conclusion that this kapara as well is ineffective unless accompanied by a shuvah process. But again, it is more effective than shuvah by itself and achieves a greater and deeper level of atonement. What I'd like to focus on is the opinion of the Rambam in this matter. The Rambam says as follows, and he'll come to Shuvah. This is the very beginning of the first paragraph. Sarnashvanyat can achieve kapara for all things with one accompanied by Shuvah. Abu can lower the Shuvah if a person did not repent. And we fully expect the Rambam to conclude, if he did repent, he has nothing. That's what he said. In lower the Shuvah, only on accounts on a relatively, relatively mild sin. Not on Hamurus. Hamurus means offense or correct, either capital offense or correct, which means he's punished for the common reprobation line, the death of the heavenly tribunal. But his claim that his law can say is considered to be in the category of accounts. As the Catholic mission, how can this be? How can Sarah Mishalev achieve Kapara for a low subset in the absence of truth? You tell me we can follow Rebbe, as Rebbe says, your kid will achieve atonement in the absence of truth. According to Rebbe, let's go all the way. You can 
have a for all of the Asmas of children. Where does this compromise with the Rambam? Where does this come from? This compromise with the Rambam that there is just a component for Kalos and Asmas We don't understand where this compromise comes from. This is the question of the Catholic Mishnah in Yilmaz Teshuv. There's quite a bit of literature about this by the classical foreign uh, in the Mishnah, the Kuru many of the Gdolans, I'm going to, for the sake of brevity, not enter into this at the present time. However, what I would like to do is to call for yet another number. In Yilmaz Teshuv, Kippur only achieves atonement for the Shabbat, those who repent, who believe in the effectiveness of the Absolute truth. 
The fact that the Rambam used the phrase here in Ilkos Teshuvah, which is found as well in Ilkos Shagodos, and the Gemara, the Kaddish, the Russian poem, not in Hashuvah, but Lashogin, a different phrase. It's not describing an action, it's describing a person. Very important distinction that we were taught in Shiva. A difference between an action, a pu'ula, and a person, a gabbard. Here, the Ramah is teaching us the Yom Kippur to achieve atonement not necessarily required to have a full-fledged Shuvah process of the three stages. It's enough that the person be called a Shuvah. Yom Kippur is a Kaffir, la Shuvah. Shuvah means individuals who simply believe in the effect of the Yom Kippur. And even though we call it in the Ramah, and Yom Kippur did not achieve atonement all by itself, nonetheless, it was a measure of atonement, God has complete, which is achieved when an individual recognizes the effect of the Yom Kippur, even in the absence of a full Teshuvah process. Lest you think, how can I make up such a category of incomplete Kapor? Either yes or no. Lack or right. Since when is there a kapara she'en of the muru, an incomplete kapara? Well, if you look at the closest Yishanam in the Sefriyuma, and the Fehei, he says, even for the Rebbe, you need shuvah for a kapara of your muru. And Yom Kippur achieves only a kapara she'en of the muru. You are truly at the level of the kapara. This being the case, that we can understand the idea of an incomplete kapara, that's how I understand the uh, concept of shavit and around. As long as you believe in your a complete kapara you don't have. We don't follow ready, you ready man to deny complete kapara. But an incomplete kapara you do have. One doesn't believe in the effect of the kippur, but then he has zero kapara. But someone who believes in the effect of this, even if he's full short of absolute shuva, Still, you have to achieve the measure of kapara for such an individual. Nonetheless, nonetheless, the question becomes a twofold question. Why is there often distinguish, as you mentioned earlier, with respect to Torah and Shalaya, between Kalos and Amurus? This is a distinction which we don't find explicit. And number two, a question is raised by the closest Yishamim. Why was the faith of Hiddish destroyed? Because of our sins. But every year, according to Rebbe, our sins are completely eliminated. So, huh? You mean the sins of one year were so bad as to walk by the corporate? It's hard to imagine. The total used to end the world. One end is the true share of the world. That's at the end of the day. Now, why does get a different answer? which I believe is this very structural show that you offer for us as well. I'm privileged to hear many years ago, I believe over 30 years ago, from a very beautiful insight in the interpretation of the Ramadan of why the scapegoat of Jesus' atonement for the so-called lighter sins, punishable by malthus, or lashings, and not the most serious one, punished by Torah, which literally means Torah from the people of Israel. And he explains it something. There's two different kinds of Kaparah on him here. One is the Kaparah of the individual, 
every single person is given a kapara which he is not meant. And then secondly, is what we call a communal kapara. A kapara which is given by Hashem to the, to the totality of the world as such, as a public uh, entity, as a symbol. Indeed, the Rav explains, this is the duality of the phrase which forms the conclusion of the Rav who recites in the Kippur. We say, Hashem is a king who forgives our sins. And also forgives the sins of the people of Israel. This is redundant. Who are we? And Abonus Israel. Same thing. Rosh is not the same thing. Abonus is an Hashem who is atonement on an individual basis. One on one. But in addition to that, is a level of atonement which is given to the entirety of Israel as a people. All we have to do to partake of this kapara is to consider ourselves, as we should be considered, a part of the people. Every member of Israel is given a kapara as part of the community. The only way that one can avoid this kapara is by being cut, cut off from the Israel. To cut off the Israel, you're not part of the kapara, national kapara. When you're part of Israel, you have a kapara. Hence, if an individual violates a low sasset, a negative commandment, this individual is a part of God Israel, a part of the community of Israel, who has sinned. If he does not repent in a perfect fashion, his private individual kapara is not forthcoming. Nonetheless, he achieves kapara as a member of God Israel. And as a result, there is a kapara, there is a shuva. And so the Rambam says, the Sora which is a kapara for the Slavi Srovatash, can achieve atonement for any individual who is a part of the Slav, namely, an individual whose sin is called kalos, relatively mild, uh, he has been cut off from the entire body of Slavi <coughs> However, an individual who violates the Haburos, and he's a courage, or worse, he's a courage from the community of Israel. The reason he doesn't get any kapara for Sarmish is because on a personal level he hasn't repented, and on a national level he hasn't deserved the national kapara because he comes up all. The Easter of courage, and even if it's so serious and so severe, they lose the kapara of the people. This is how the Rav, one of the Rav, explains this opinion of the, of the Rambam. This being the case, we can turn our attention to answer the original question. When does Rebbe say that there's a kapara for an individual who has to repent on the kippah? It's only a result of his being a part of the community. And according to Rebbe, no matter how bad you are, no matter what you did, it's still considered to be a part of the community to some extent. But when is it so? When the community at large is worthy of a kapara? In other words, most people are hated for good, they keep in the mitzvahs, there are indiscretions here and there, but because the majority of our Israel is basically good, there is a national kapara comes from Shavayim on your kippah. And every individual according to Rebbe is granted a kapara based upon that. However, the time to see in the program, things are so bad, 
that the majority of Israel were such serious sinners that there was no national kapara. And in the absence of a national kapara, an individual will have no will have no common either. And therefore the unfortunate result of Prophet which came about came upon us. And the absence of a personal kapara as well as a national kapara. This could be one understanding of the a response to the question of Tosas Yashan. Again, it is a partial kapara. The partial kapara results from a national kapara. But the majority of the nation is, is, is seriously uh, flawed. And there's no national kapara. This could lead to a perfect This is answer number one. So this is very troubling question. Answer number two, I would like to suggest this one. Some of us prepare ourselves for Yom Kippur by looking at the classical source. One of the classes is the Chayyoda, very famous paper, Chayyoda, and we both made a lot of those in the Shiva. In Klaus Kuchman Gimel, the Chayyoda has the following introduction. He says, People think Yom Kippur is for real sinners, those who don't keep the basics of the Torah mitzvahs. For those who keep Shabbos and Kashrus, Yom Kippur is not really for them. Nothing much for them to ask atonement for. They're basically the people. So, you know, they go through the motions of the Kippur, of course, I love it, I'm sure. But, you know, the real, really old Kippur for those who, who drive their cars to Shabbos and are eating the shellfish, they, they, they really need old Kippur. The person who keeps Shabbos is conscious, does not. So, right, I love it. He said it's a terrible mistake. It's a terrible mistake. The old Kippur is for the, what we call today the pro community, for the Shami Mitzvahs. Why so? Because he gives a list of, of things that people, the average people, don't keep proper. I'm reading you an abbreviated version of this list. Philos of Rokos, the Individuals are not dominant properly. They gobble up the words and aren't thinking what they're saying. He talks about a lack of sneers in the community. People who are involved in business with Shabbos and Yomzer. Bidu Torah. These are things that you know, even individuals who are observant have to work with But if you look at Kayyad, after he mentions these few sins, he mentions many more sins in a totally different area of Allah. And that is the area of an Allah of Habeya. And his list includes some of the following Lashanar, hurting another Jew, hating another Jew. Anger, theft, etc. And to this, to this, every individual not only requires Yom Kippur, but it's not enough Yom Kippur. You have to also have the forgiveness of the aggrieved party. And for this reason, as a Chayadah was so careful that actually printing in his statement, very unusual, it's not a sinner, it's a statement. He printed Tzvila Zakah. Tzvila Zakah, the prayer he's supposed to recite before Kolidrej, through which we are to forgive everyone who may have come out of And this Tzvila was so important to the Holy Spirit of Science that he writes the one started that this paragraph, which is at the very end of Tzvila Zakah, should be moved up. So the people who come out kind of a little late but can't finish Tzvila Zakah, this is something they shouldn't do this paragraph. This is critical. I believe some of the new, new Mandora, I believe, even the Oscar Mandora, printed earlier as per the request of the Cup of Time. So we should forgive everyone for anything which he has done to hurt us. 
Preferiste recuperar la tabela del tiempo que nadie en Chile pasó. Entonces, yo entiendo muy bien lo que causó el coronavirus, especialmente el coronavirus en 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 el Something 
feel that the person is somehow repeating. Very simple. And these are the name of this talk. A person insists on every one of his rights, or his perceived rights. He thinks this individual has stepped on my soul. And with his death on my soul, I have a right to hate him with all my life. So he'll say, you will be a sinner's skin. He'll say, what's sinner's skin? He stepped on my soul. And the answer is, he stepped on his soul. Big deal. And that's the reason for you to hate this individual. You are guilty of sinner's skin. You are guilty of it because you are demanding all your, all your perceived rights. And therefore, the only antidote to the sin, you know, is that individuals will not insist on every matter they think of theirs, will rather be able to step back, step back, and say, look, I'm entitled to something. But, for the sake of peace, I'm going to give in a little bit. I'm not going to demand every last thing. I'll step back. I'll give in. I'll be conciliatory. Then and only then can the proper shalom be achieved. I'm reminded of the Hasidic man. The Hasidic say, how does a person approach the, the making of peace? The Osa Shalom. How do you do it? You're familiar with Mishmanesra. Before you say Osa Shalom, you take three steps back and you back. That's the only way to do it. You know, people that are told soul, that that's a lie. Don't ever make Shalom. Then take a few steps back, down a little bit. Now it's Osa Shalom, we got the Shalom So people who are all made out of this Torah, I insist, up to here. Just imagine that there's two neighbors. I insist, I insist, go so here, go so here, and you go three, go low, and you you know, God is here on the side, and you can't talk to him. You know, people can get us all kinds of fights, but it's still in it. But each one is insisting on his own right to proceed right. That will happen to show us how this is in that skin. The way you question the skin is not that the only of the Torah. Give in a little bit. In, re- in reality, one can see this theme. One can see this theme. In a Rashi which we read, at the very beginning of the Savior of the Lord. The rationing of the Torah, one part of the entire Torah, which we read in a very sad voice, the voice of Abel. The Torah speaks about the Torah, terrible uh, things which Moshe Rabbeinu complains about, he just couldn't handle it. Now, what do these things mean? The Rashi explains. What does Torah, the Rashi explains? So you throw Tarakonin, Ephraim man, Roeth, Alizin, Nothaphazin, Yeshli Avid, Yeshli Rayus, Mosfadelech, and Bayonin. A person sees he's losing a case in Benson, he says, I have more witnesses, I want to add more, I want to attack the court with more judges, I want to be more proofs. But what's wrong with that? Is it all legally appropriate? The lawyer tells you to do it, and you're allowed to do it, it's too much strict, I love what's okay. That's the answer. And you insist that every last one will be right, that every lawyer can think of, there'll never be any show. There'll always be what we call it the litigious society. There'll be the, the constant infighting and bickering and destruction of this basic fabric of society. It's a terrible thing. It's called Torah Hashem. And indeed, indeed, what is rich then? The next word is Sinan Sinan. Every person wants to win and fights to win and won't give it an inch. Insist that it's in Torah, 
Torahem, it will lead to repentance and sin of sin. You're probably wondering, I left out one word. Torahem, Masahem, Berishem. We explain Torahem is insisting on your right. And it leads to Rifkan and Sin As for the two Gemaras, my own answer to the Tosa's question, not two separate things, but two things shall link to one another. What Masahem? The word found in the middle. So once again, this is what we understand according to Rashi. Rashi explains the Tosa's quote. Shalayu Rabbi Kurusim. What does that mean? They didn't believe that God gave us the Torah. No, listen carefully. Hiktim Moshe Lafayette, Aru Marov and Amram Lafayette, Shem Enoshami Besolvay. If Moshe Rabbein will be the task of the early to say, why is he early? And the fact of his wife. She threw him out of the house. That's a nice way to explain. So we get the early to go to the dark. He had a fight with his wife. He, got a, he came out late one day. Why is he late? He said. Yosef the Yoreh Aleichem Eitzos Rolls the Toshim Aleichem Hashemos. He's flying against you. As he say, Rabbi Bonnie knows this. He can't win. He can't win. You come out early, you don't find what you want. You come out late, you're flying against you. This is what is this? It's apparently an old Balabash tradition. It's back to Balabash and Moshe Rabbeinu's Already, whatever he does is wrong. And Rashi called out the person. Because someone who is treated a type of thought on their own inappropriately is guilty of this terrible sin and of this terrible name attached to him. So, of course, the question becomes why they do it? And what's the connection between this and the other two parts of the puzzle? The Torah of Hashem and respect. And let me answer you. They are clearly and very tightly connected. Remember! Moshe Rabbeinu was the judge. He was the chief judge. And there were many individuals who undoubtedly were not happy with his decisions. Whatever altercations they had, he passed in a certain way, and one side wasn't happy, or was open happy. Both sides aren't happy. So I have a good stock, by the way. Both sides weren't happy. And so they took it out of Moshe Rabbeinu. He didn't give me what I wanted, and my monetary claim against this guy or the other way around. And therefore, I'm angry with him, and I'm therefore accused him of all kinds of things of which he's completely innocent. The Torah of and the Rishkan led to the Mashakam. When you don't get everything you want in, a, in, a, in, a, in a litigation, you can't say maybe you weren't 100%, right? Blame judge, criticize him. Look at his every move and find that the worst possible light to put in him has no basis whatsoever. That is the connection. That is the connection. And indeed, we have to assume. That the claims were frivolous. The most of it was right and people were wrong. But they had a perceived right. The perceived rights were somehow offended and they, they responded by this withering and excessive criticism completely unworthy of most of it. Remarkable. Remarkable. And aside from the terrible, terrible sin in and of itself, this criticism of Moshe Rabbeinu had yet another negative consequence. Namely, they took away from him and from all those who followed in his footsteps to serve with Rabbanan on a much lesser, on a much lesser level, of course, took away from him the ability to properly review the people. How can a person offer proper criticism, but he himself is the subject of scaling attacks by these 
merciless and baseless uh, members of the community who just make up all kinds of stories from nothing. This we can understand another song, a Gemara of Sefer Shabbos. So the Gemara says, Lo Chorim Yishalayim El Yishmush Lo Chichu Zerzeh. They didn't rebuke one another. This is the self-cause of the program. So we ask me a question. Why didn't the rabbis rebuke them? That's their job. A rabbi who doesn't give all for you is considered an inappropriate uh, member of the uh, profession. So it's sure at that time, unless we have a mother who wants to rebuke the people for their sins at the time of the program, the answer sounds very simple to us. Lohari Yushalayim, it's Shabbos to be said, they disgraced and degraded these, these Torah tables. And by doing so, it wasn't just that that was sinful, but more than that, it took away from the, I mean, from the ability to properly chastise the people. How can they do it? They had themselves under the constant attack. So the people themselves saw their own graves. They didn't rebuke each other. They took away from their abundance the opportunity to offer proper rebuke. A disaster, a compound disaster. Unfortunately, some of these phenomena exist even in today's world. Even in today's world. But I want to go further. Not only do we suffer from this terrible scourge of Sinachina, in an instance in which someone has wrong us, at least in our own perception. But it's all beyond that. Believe it or not. There are those who are critical even of someone who has not wronged them in any way. Who hasn't taken away their money, hasn't stepped on their toes. After all, take down most of our bank. How many did Torah did he decide? There were a lot of Jews there. How many of them could he could case to get passed against one or the other of them? It's a limit. Why do so many of them rise up against them and criticize them? So the answer is the answer is that this phenomenon of sin of is so powerful that it extends beyond someone who I feel has wronged me and extends to individuals who I find have a failing. So I'll say I'm not you know. I hate that guy not because, not for no reason, and not because he wronged me, but because he has a shortcoming. And after all, he has a shortcoming, it's a terrible shortcoming, and I have to do, you know, I'm, I'm a man of principle, this shortcoming I can't abide, so therefore I hate him. Not for you, for the reason. <coughs> this is not a new phenomenon, and that is. It appears to exist at the time of the Kurban Abayi, which is pointed out already by the Nisiv. The Nisiv, who was the head of the Shiva of Allah in the late 19th century, speaks of it briefly in his introduction to the Rashis, and much greater length of his children, in his book, The Same for Nature's Daughter. And he says as follows There were individuals, the time of Abayi Shani, the second day of the English, who were Suzukim. Sadducees who did not believe in the basis of Yiddishkeit. And these individuals themselves, they themselves broke the tradition 
and rebelled against the authority of our rabbis are really worthy of very sharp criticism. So what happened? People do the very convenient trick. There were two Prussians, there were two individuals who were believers in Torah and the Torah and the rabbis, and they had to find an argument about something. Not an argument about money or about uh, property, an argument about some kind of a hashkafa, some kind of a different way of looking at things. And they both share the basic, the basic of belief. They both believe in the Torah, they both believe in the Torah. They all have a sensible little point. So what do they do? A convenient trick. One wants to delegitimize the other. What do you call it? A suki. Easy. Just use slap and have to wear the vocabulary. Call them a suzuki, a statue, and the suki had to be eliminated at all costs. The two Prussians would call one up by this dirty name, Zuki, in order to avoid the, the nuances of a, of a principal debate where there's, you know, there's fine points and fine lines and you would disagree. No! I'm right, and you're wrong, and you're so wrong, you're even a Zuki that can eliminate you. One of you would call something a tip, which is actually quite shocking. You can see right person would see another parish who would be made of the age of God. He has some kind of leniency. Afabish, or by a fluky cloud, he did something that should look wrong. Machmaxina, Tina, Peshotu, Suki, Shemoridinos. He killed him. Who was in the Stratosh, because none of them had there, who was a mix of his hopes. A person guilty of killing someone, he thinks he's doing a mix of he imagines, he thinks he's doing a mixture, he's killing someone. This is the ultimate sin of sin. The sin rights that happened then, Thomas Cook and Abbas, and can happen in the, in the 19th century as well. It's the thing. One person orthodox, not looking at that, gives diamonds in quotation. Shaploni eno nisnai abidarkov avodat Hashem. He's not following his own way, according to Shem. A different way of following him. He is Shepenu, the Minus, the Israq, the Menu, the Eurotrim, the Azar, the Heter, the Dimion, the Odin, the Kantashon, the Shichet, the Kalam Hashem, the Kodim. This is worse than the first time of Sin and Sin. Sin and Sin, part one, is someone who wronged you or you think he wronged you, and someone limited. How many people in the world are there who have wronged you? Limits. This is unlimited. Every person in the world, no matter how nice and good he is, no matter how careful he is in mitzvahs, if he does something that's different from your way, he's not going your way in the of Hashem, boom, call him Stuki and knock him out. And it's endless. Truth is, is that the sin speaks even of pure Allah questions. There's a dispute how Allah has a certain leniency which you don't approve. Right away, boom! You don't understand you approve of his Allah extent. You discredit it completely. Talk to believe. We see it today, right now, it's part of us. We know how it is in certain communities. Just to give a few examples, give a few, I don't, mean, I don't know what's happening in this community right now. I hope I'm not. How can it be close to here? 
But we know there are situations where, for example, they build an Arab, and one group says the Arab is good, and then the Arab is no good. There's nothing wrong with that. There's room for a lot of disputed areas of pure ritual law, a problem. But then they start saying that the guy, I don't believe in the Arabs, the guy has already called them Kal Shas. As we spoke about before, that describes the act, describes the person. The person is a terrible person, is a terrible person, and don't marry into his family and separate completely. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a few little shadows that she for millennia. We get along. Why are you getting so personal? And then you have to look at the dispute about kashras. Oh, another one. Uh, this one, this one, it's kosher, it's not kosher. Shemitah, no Shemitah, whatever they're fighting about. So it gets personal. There's a matter of dispute in Aloha. There could be more than one correct opinion. Why are we getting so personal? It's to the system. It's my God. That's something I shot for. something pure And already a person has a certain leniency and it's put down. This is the sin of skin which causes the world, but it's still around. We have to be so careful and strong as our own personal lawful things may be. Those of us who are as a lot of opinions, or those of us who are following our abundance and we, we espouse total uh, veracity of our, of our own personal morality, a lot of opinions. Have to be aware of the fact that there are other opinions out there. And as long as the individual is a, is a, is a mommy and is a mistress in a general sense, you have to give respect to the other opinions, even if you personally don't subscribe to it. And of course, it gets even worse as it still applies, when the dispute is not pure halacha, but they move to the realm of what we call today ashkot, different ways of halacha. And we've seen it, we still see it unfortunately, different ways of how observant Jews, shomer shomer how they react to some of the challenges of the, what we call today, the modern world. We see it today all the time, how they respond to issues of, for example, Secular education, uh, college, no college, uh, different opinions and different ways of looking at things. We see it. How people look at state of Israel. It's good, it's bad. People have legitimate points of view which are often at loggerheads. Or how do people look at, let's be honest, Take the uh, Hasidic movement. There, there, there are those who are for, those who are literally misogynist and against. And of course, it's caused terrible disputes and within various Hasidic movements and, and, and the Shiva movement, terrible fights. Now that the, the, the newest rage here in the American scene and Arab world as well is the, what we call the women's issues. This is not this position, that position of screaming and yelling, and it's causing terrible things in them. This is not to mean that a person should have a strong opinion. I've talked about many strong opinions on many matters, and uh, I think I, maybe I'm right, but I try to give some respect to an individual whose opinion is completely opposite of my own. Don't call him as a name. I think you know, I think he's wrong, but maybe he means well, and, and maybe we should find some merit in the other opposite opinion. Don't call him a king. This is true, certainly, and Rabbanon, we have to give listen to ourselves. If we shouldn't. Uh, Thoroughly, thoroughly uh, uh, stoked with gold and, and, and flames, uh, uh, and the flames of, of disputes, but it's also something for the general community. 
people should hear their opinion, listen carefully, come on their own, or hear the views of their route, their particular personal route exclusively as the case may be. And that's it. So all these views I hear your opinion, I have a different opinion, but you know, disagree, but disagree like 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 mesh, like like similarly, without the sin of skin of spoken accompanying these terrible views. And you'll ask, but what about the Yosemite? What about the individuals who really don't believe in the basis of sorrow, who don't believe in God, who don't believe in, in, the, in the transmission of these traditions? What about them? They're, after all, Moridin, you have the lower limits of the pit. So, first of all, nowadays, you know, lower and lower, anyone has a pit. Okay, that's great. We live in a different kind of world, the Kabbalist says no one has any right to take things into his hands like four. It's just not the way they go. But more than that, the rabbi himself writes in this book, Magnus, that these harsh words were only leveled at the individuals who themselves broke with foreigners, not their children. Their children are the classical, yes, Kino Shenishro, the individual who was taken captive and brought up in the absence of any foreign knowledge. He doesn't know any better. And they're on the air. Even if later in life he was told, you can't be so counted down so hard and if later in life he was just. You have to learn this in your youth. You can't accept the directions brought up and say, you thought you were a Christian, you're really Jewish. You have to secretary of space. So you can't, I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm not with but, but a person who's brought up as a thing they're not Jewish and suddenly they're told them they're not Jewish and they don't come back to mitzvahs, they're not the king of Shemishba. Even they are informed. And so to individuals who are not trained properly. And every year goes far. The percentage among the, we'll call the non-observed Jews that wasn't trained in an observant home gets higher and higher. I believe that now it's the overwhelming majority. And so therefore we have to, as Ramon writes, reach out to them and try to bring them close. Something which is uh, a great challenge, something which we should look at uh, very, very seriously. And one final point. Many of us, and I include myself, have been suddenly attacked, attacked by individuals who feel that you're too modern, you're not, you don't uh, espouse a pure enough version of a halacha, a Torah, and a mystery is too much involved in the world which we live. <laughs> Put that. How do we respond to that? Just to be very careful. The way to respond to that is the same way as we were supposed to respond to individuals who were taught nothing about Yishra. We're supposed to be tolerant of anyone who wasn't trained properly. If we believe that a person who wasn't trained properly, that's ever a shabbat, has to be tolerant for that individual. So we should be tolerant of the individual who's trained, where he was brought up by a person who um, speaks English instead of Yiddish, or who does wear a black hat, or maybe uh, whatever they have to be. It's a, a shame. It's no good. It should be, it should be, it should be chastised, criticized, not looked down upon. He's also Yiddish in Israel. He's also trained in practice. So why do we somehow respond to him? Here's the answer. We all have built the defense mechanism. It's the reflex. It's in the jungle, you know. When you're attacked, hit back. Very difficult to overcome that natural instinct. But, at 
we approach the other one on the right, that's what we have to do. We try to overcome that instinct. That even in a case that when we are attacked and grappled fairly, we should not respond to comments. Rather, we should be tolerant, we should be understanding, and we should maintain our ground, we not think that we're wrong, but we still have to appreciate another side and another point of view, and we should react in that appropriate fashion. But it's really my feeling, my prayer, that we will be able to raise ourselves to the level we spoke about earlier, the level of loving, the basic level, to the effectiveness of Kippur, the level of Teshuvah, those who actually are involved in culture and on the ritual aspect of law, and even more importantly, as we explained, on the interpersonal aspect of law. Because this is what has been lent me in this terrible privilege and dollars that we live right now. In the merits of our, our and us, those who are in the audience and beyond, each and every one of us accepting upon ourselves to prove in these very critical areas of Jewish life, maybe we will be privileged to see a new generation, a new era, an era when the, the, the constant repetition of the dollars of the program of the Sinatinim will come to an end. And when it will be Ara Tinim will usher in not only a Shnatayim Yeshalom and a Tzimah 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 for all of us, but also a Shnatayim Yeshua of the Holy Spirit of